Hello and welcome to the first installment of the Bonafide Basketball Podcast. I'm Jay Sauce with my brother, co-writer, co-podcaster, Joey. That's me. Hello. This is just an introduction and a basic overview of what Bonafide's about. We'll get into a little content of a finals preview a little bit later. But uh, to start, I just wanted to tell you all that Bonafide Basketball is something that was started... um, how was it started, Joey? Just by me and you and my friend Joel? Yeah, you, uh, you're you like, hey, I want to make a basketball blog. And uh, you asked me if I wanted to help. And I said, sure. You uh, you know, made the, made the website, basically. I've written a couple of pieces. So is Joel. One of Joey's best pieces is Long Road to Boston. If you haven't checked it out yet, definitely check it out. Joel, he's got some great pieces. He's got one uh, about Russell Westbrook coming up that will definitely turn some heads when you read that one the definition of bona fide which a lot of people actually don't know it means real authentic genuine um so i just thought it was fitting it's alliterative with basketball that's where the name came from and it allows for some cool designs with bones and basketballs and all that stuff basically we wanted to start this podcast write these articles because we all love basketball i have a basketball background i played college basketball ncaa division three Joey, he's, he's been playing since he was young, played in high school. He's had extensive experience writing about basketball. Joel, Joel's been around the game his whole life, played basketball with me in college. Basically, that's it. I'm trying to think of what else I should tell everyone about Bonafide. Read the articles. Read the articles. Yes, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, soon to be YouTube. Um, we're going to be podcasting through Podbean. So getting to the actual agenda of today, we wanted to talk about the finals. The first thing we want to start with, the impact of health on this series. A lot of people like to uh, make excuses over the last few years as to why either team, the Warriors or the Cavs, have lost uh, in the finals. Two years ago, in 2015, it was uh, you know, Kyrie Irving hurt himself in game one. I think he broke his kneecap or tore it or something. Yeah, yeah. And then Kevin Love had his arm ripped out by Kelly Olynyk, So he was out that entire series, so it was basically just LeBron against the Warriors. And then last year, Andre Iguodala was clearly not right in the past the last couple of games and then andrew bogut shredded his knee in game five four five i think he may never play again honestly so yeah the first year they met in the finals since they are meeting for the third time first year we had Kyrie was hurt k love was hurt and some would say the warriors had an advantage now last year the warriors bogut was hurt Steph had an injured knee that a lot of people didn't talk about. He didn't talk about, but it was clear he was injured. I don't want to get to it, but Draymond was suspended. That's not really an injury, but it definitely affected. So this year, accounting on no major injuries, knock on wood, both teams should be close, if not at full strength. You got K-Love playing great recently, Kyrie playing great recently, Steph, Draymond, Clay, KD... KD's back from his injury, so we're going to see, for the first time, fully healthy teams match up. Yes, and uh, I should probably disclose that I am a Warriors fan. Oh, that wasn't apparent. Yeah, so if uh, my bias shows, I'm not sorry. (laughs) Yes, I I guess I should disclose, too, just for the record. uh, I am a Lakers fan. I'm a Kobe Bryant fan, but, you know, living close to the Bay Area, I've gone to more Warrior games than Laker games, so... I'm a big fan of them, too. Like Joey said, that's neither here nor there. Will health impact this series? Now, Pachulia still might be out, but accounting on no injuries so far, do you think health will play a role, Joey? 
health always plays a role when you get to the playoffs. I mean, it's undeniable. After 80 games, your your body is just begins to break down. I mean, you don't shoot around at the gym for 20 minutes and you feel sore afterwards. It's hard to believe these guys are able to play mm-hmm. so many games over a season, especially at uh, especially a guy like David West. You know, is like 38, 39 yeah, years old. Definitely. Honestly, I don't think you can't make any sort of injury excuse this year unless somebody goes down in one of the the early games. Yeah. Like Zaza, even though I like him, I don't think he's all that important. He, yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same thing because Zaza goes in, plays a few minutes at the beginning to set the tone, makes a couple passes, misses a few layups, and then he's not that impactful. He doesn't play that much. He doesn't, you know, stuff the stats. What he brings isn't necessarily going to be missed as much as I mean, I'd say they'd almost be more hurt if they lost someone like McGee as opposed to Pachulia because McGee can go in there be more of he's more of an impact player whereas Pachulia kind of just he's on the floor but you don't really notice right well there's uh one of the best things I think about Steve Kerr is that he's most he's always willing to um you know kind of sit a player when mm-hmm. he's not playing well and there are games where like maybe Zaza doesn't have a good matchup and he'll only play you know the first six minutes of each half and then never set foot on the court again for the mm-hmm. entire game and JaVale McGee is usually the guy that gets those other those other minutes. They bring him in for like a energy guy off the bench. Uh, he only plays a couple of minutes at a time. He'll play like you know five minutes at a time. Whenever Zaza comes out of the game, you're able to bring in either JaVale McGee to get uh, you know kind of a an energy boost, or bring in David West, who they can run their offense through. Very similar to how they used to run with Andrew Bogut, mm-hmm. I think, where he could pass out of the out of the high post, you see him uh, him and Ian Clark connect on a backdoor layup at least once or twice a game. The bigs for the for the Warriors are going to be a big deal, especially since the Cavaliers don't really have a a real big? seven-footer that they play. Yeah. You know, Tristan Thompson, they have Channing Frye, but he's not a rim protector by any means. I guess Tristan Thompson's as big as they come. Him and LeBron, it's kind of similar to the Warriors because uh, JaVale McGee is... A good shot blocker, but I wouldn't say that he's a, you know, intimidating rim protector in uh in any way, really. And David West and Zaza are not either, really. Anymore. Yeah, I think their best rim protectors are Draymond and KD, who a lot of times playing small ball end up on bigs. And I think we're going to see a lot of actually KD and Draymond matching up with Tristan Thompson and K-Love. You know, when we're talking about health, I think the biggest health impact is... From a coaching standpoint, Steve Kerr, um, it seems like every day they're saying, Steve Kerr attended practice. He ran more of practice today. Is he going to come back? And all the reports point to no. That that does have an effect on the team, but I don't know about having as much effect as a lot of people think. Well, I think Steve Kerr, what's become clear over the past few years is that he has his his system and his framework and how he likes to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two years ago, Alvin Gentry was the top assistant. He got a new job. Luke Walton last year was fantastic. He got uh, the Lakers job. This year it's Mike Brown. I think uh, I think also another benefit that they have is that the Warriors players, specifically Steph and Draymond, are so smart that they can essentially run the team on their own. Um, mm-hmm. I think you see it a lot of times out on the court where they're, they're the ones making the decisions rather than uh, Mike Brown. Not to say that they're disrespecting Mike Brown, but I think they're able to see they kind of have like the the Steve Kerr mindset exactly on how things need to be run. I think Mike Brown, the 
in-game adjustments that he makes are uh, okay. He's no Steve Kerr. To add to that, I think there's two reasons they've been so successful, even without their head coach in the last, what is that, two seasons? So I think two reasons. One, Steve Kerr seems like the kind of coach where he does his coaching in practice, to where they come to games ready to play. They know what they're going to do. He doesn't have to do a lot of coaching in games besides specific situations, which uh, Mike Brown could come up with stuff on the fly. I think the other thing is the leaders of the team, Steph, Draymond, Clay, KD, the way their offense is run, it's so free-flowing that, you know, you don't need people to memorize 50 plays. You got a couple plays, you run out of timeouts, but the rest of the time, they're just running around. Their defense creates their offense, hitting threes, hitting quick jump shots. It's not a lot of, you know, I think the Spurs, they set up half-court offense a lot, and they run play after play, getting people open on cuts. And the Warriors, it's more of a read-and-react type offense. Right, it's kind of got, uh, I mean, you know, Steve Kerr played in the triangle for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of got some of those principles in it where, you know, the players react to what they're seeing on the floor. You know, if there's one thing we've learned from Phil Jackson, it's that the triangle only works when you got great players mm-hmm. who are smart enough to read and react on the court. And, like in uh, New York right now? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Warriors, they have the players to run that sort of offense, and... Um, when all else fails, you can just give Kevin Durant the ball now. They didn't have that last year or the year before. The year before last year, the year the Warriors did win it, mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes wasn't terrible. No, he wasn't. He, <laughs> he was, was good. He was fine. He was good. And, and there were times where Harrison Barnes, I think the year before last year, he actually played a larger role in what they did. And I think last year it was overshadowed by Steph and Clay having such great years. Steph stepped his, stepped everything up, his scoring, his usage, everything. And I think Harrison Barnes turned into just a, a standalone guy. And he was like, I either catch and shoot or I do nothing. And that is kind of what led to him in the finals last year. He was virtually non-existent. And that's something where the contrast with KD now is they can literally give their small forward the ball power forward, whatever he's playing on the court, and get a bucket any given time. That's something even Steph and Clay. I mean, they can get a bucket, but not like KD. KD, you can put him in the mid post. He can get a quality look with any defender on him. I kind of want to talk about uh, how the Warriors are going to be defended by the Cavaliers. Um, okay. And I think that kind of plays into the, the coaching matchups and deciding who. Who guards who? So the Cavaliers have a huge problem in that Kyrie Irving has to guard somebody. And do you let him guard Stephen Curry or do you let him guard Clay Thompson? Or they have J.R. Smith who's going to guard one of the two guards. LeBron is probably going to have to guard Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tristan Thompson is going to have to guard either uh, Zaza or Draymond. Draymond is going to have to be guarded by uh, Kevin Love or Tristan Thompson, whichever's not guarding Zaza. And last year, I know that in the first few games, the Warriors continually attacked Kyrie Irving. Whoever Kyrie was guarding is who they went to. This year, I I don't know. You can't... Tyron Louie might even want to try to have Kyrie guard Draymond Green because he is the, I don't know, least effective offensively in terms of scoring. Now that's interesting. Between the, uh, the top four for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. But... Draymond Green is pretty good at backing down much smaller players, mm-hmm. which Kyrie is. He's able to, you know, get right, right to the rim. And the Cavs don't have that weak side 
rim protector to come over and mm-hmm. help on that sort of thing. So they the Cavs got their their work cut out for them trying to figure out these defensive matchups. I mean, if they take Kyrie out, I'm not trying to say that he's like unplayable or anything, but if they take him out for defensive purposes, they're not going to win. No. Because he is by far their second best offensive player. What if they put Kyrie on Clay? If I'm the Cavs, I'm thinking we'll put Kyrie on Clay because Clay this playoffs has not been anything outstanding. He's been average to below average. True. And I mean, that doesn't mean at any second he can't explode for 37 points in a quarter. But if I'm the Cavs right now, I'm thinking, all right, we'll put Kyrie on Clay. That'll be a wash. Kyrie might win that matchup. So if JR's guarding Curry, you know, when you think about JR, you think, uh, eh, he's he's an average mediocre defender. But he's he's big enough and long enough he to could bother, bother Steph. Steph. And um I think JR Smith is gonna be a huge um X factor in this series because two years ago when the Warriors won, JR Smith was terrible. Mm-hmm. He was really bad. I think he shot like thirty percent. Yes, the, he was in the series, and then last year when they won, he was pretty good. Yep. He was not bad at all, but he's so he's so feast or famine. You never know what Jr. is going to show up mm-hmm. every game, and then he was uh, injured for a good portion of this year, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He he like had that. like some hand problems, but I think uh, so. Let's get to that. Let's get to X factors of each team. So I think we can both agree that a huge X factor is J.R. Smith mm-hmm. and his play because LeBron, unless something catastrophic happens, LeBron, Kyrie, Caleb are going to come and bring it. So on the Cavs, I think you got two X factors. You got J.R. Smith's shooting, and you got Tristan Thompson's. I guess just overall containment of the paint defensively and just getting rebounds, offensive rebounds like he always does. Because uh, I think even last year, a lot of times, he got a lot of big rebounds and not just getting big rebounds for his team, but preventing the Warriors from getting big rebounds for them at, at key moments. Right. Um, Tristan Thompson is, he might be, the, in my opinion, the best offensive rebounder in the league, especially since um, when the Cavs, because they have such a, great offense a uh, offensive rebound is a, more valuable to them to give them a second chance than it is for uh, most teams the Warriors don't really have a uh, excellent you know offensive rebounder type player mm-hmm. and then if he's making his free throws uh, Tristan Thompson then he's uh, much more valuable he's not much of a free throw shooter but when he does make them then you can't just hack him yeah you know not like uh, DeAndre Jordan or something like that so um, he's also a good defender. You know, he's able to stick with guards on their perimeter for pretty good. Yeah. There's not really a big man who's able to do it effectively for too long, but uh, he's about as good as they come. The only two ways he can impact the game are rebounding and more rebounding. I mean, Tristan Thompson, he's not a great finisher. He's an okay defender, uh, but what he does well is rebound. In terms of the Warriors' X-Factors, I think the biggest X factors for them, the bench in general, and Clay Thompson. The Warriors bench this year is kind of underrated. I think they don't get as much. When they won two years ago, they had Barbosa. They had Sean Livingston, who they still have. Mm-hmm. Igudala, but Igudala's aged a little bit. Sean Livingston aged a little bit. Ian Clark is steady. When you think about the Cavaliers, when they were looking for a playmaking point guard in the backcourt... 
I mean, if they could have got Ian Clark, that would have been amazing. And he's been on the Warriors, so that's amazing for them. And so I think there's going to be some matchups on the bench-wise. Darren Williams, Ian Clark, or Darren Williams, Sean Livingston, Kyle Korver, McCaw, Kyle Korver, Igudala. I mean, there's going to be these cross matchups of who's going to produce off the bench. If the Warriors can win that, like they did two years ago when they won, that's going to be huge. So that way, when they're resting their stars, they don't have to worry about getting down. They don't have to worry about Iman Shumpert going off, Kyle Korver going off, and things like that. Right. To continue on to your your point on the benches, uh, the Cavs have real defensive issues uh, in terms of the, the bench. Because a lot of the players they bring off the bench are not good defenders, like mm-hmm. Kyle Korver, Darren Williams, uh, Channing Frye. Mm-hmm. None of them are even what I'd say you'd call an average defender. No, anymore certainly. Um, where the, who's going to be like earlier in the year? LeBron made the the big uh, the big stink about uh, getting a playmaker. Yep, is Darren Williams that guy? Like. <laughs> I think if, he he was brought in to fill that void, but I don't know if he's that guy. Not anymore, sir. I don't think so. So if um, if Ian Clark can make him work on uh, the defensive end, I think that mm-hmm. would uh, that would help a lot towards the Warriors' um, chances at winning. You know, as players, uh, the more they work on defense, the less uh, the less they work on offense. Mm-hmm. Bench players, bench pl- and bench players always play better at home too. It's harder for bench players to play well on the road. Um, yeah, we see that all the time. Um, I think I think it's going to be really interesting to see how far these coaches go into their benches because if you've been watching the Warriors at all this playoffs, Mike Brown has done some very inconsistent substitutions. One game, Ian Clark will be first off the bench. Next game, McCaw's first off the bench. Next game, Matt Barnes gets in and plays and Ian Clark doesn't even get in the game until the final minutes like it's been kind of all over the place I think he's been trying to feel out a good rotation but I think a big difference in the benches of the Warriors and the Cavs is the Cavs almost everyone off their bench is old like almost everyone off their bench you can say they were better in years past whereas some of the Warriors guys you got Pat McCaw and Ian Clark are both young guys who will get down on defense and try and can actually stop players. Whereas, right. you know, you're not going to say, Darren Williams, go stop Steph Curry. Like, no. But you Never. might say, Pat McCaw, go hound Kyrie for five minutes, give it your all while we give Clay Thompson a break. Like, you can do that. Right. And I really hope that Patrick McCaw gets some good playing time, mm-hmm. uh, especially if Steve Kerr doesn't return. Because Mike Brown has been very inconsistent with his treatment of McCaw. Mm-hmm. I think, especially in the, uh, I think it was the Portland series where Patrick McCaw had a game where he didn't miss a shot, and I thought yep. he played really good defense. And then I think next, the next game, game he didn't, he hardly played at all. I remember that. And McCaw's been very impressive. He looks like a different guy compared to uh, how he was towards the end of the year. Towards the end of the season, he was just, uh, it's kind of passive. Yeah. But he's really since he got his new haircut, <laughs> those twists. It was the whatever. haircut. <laughs> yeah, probably uh, become a a new a new player, and he's. When KD was out in the playoffs, too, he was very good. I think that was that same game. Yeah. Um, but I really hope he gets some run. I think he could guard J.R. Smith or Iman Shumpert pretty good, any of the wing players besides LeBron. He's too small to guard LeBron. In any yeah. 
sort of way. Well, he but, could he could hound him on the wing a little bit. I don't think we'll see anything like you remember when Rondo guarded him. I don't even remember what year that was. I but don't know. LeBron will just take him to the rack every time. Yeah, I think he's too he's too small still. That's all right. He's a second round rookie. What more can you expect? Um, I want I want the coach to play a second round rookie in the finals. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, you couldn't ask for more. Getting to our next point. This is something that's been talked about over and over on every news station covering the finals. The impact on the key players' legacies. We got two big ones, LeBron and KD, who I think this series has the most impact on. And people are kind of sleeping on Steph Curry's legacy with this. But that, that'll be the last one we talk about. Let's get to the meat of it, LeBron. What's the impact on his legacy? Whether he wins, whether he loses... Whether it's a sweep, whether it's uh, seven games, what what kind of impact we got here, Joey? I haven't really, uh, I haven't really been paying attention to all the legacy talk. It gets annoying. It does. It get, really does. For, and... for Le- well, for LeBron, um, if he wins, I think it would be. Uh, it's hard to say that it's better than last year, just because uh, last year they came back from down three one. I don't think anything like that's going to happen again. No, uh, whoever gets up in the series is going to win especially now that everybody's uh healthy but um i don't know if he wins then he'll have what four titles two with cleveland a city that hadn't ever won before and then yeah. uh two in miami with uh the super friends yeah but i mean he's still two behind jordan at that point although lebron will have beaten uh, better teams, better teams, significantly I better. I don't think I don't see how you can possibly argue that these Warriors aren't better than any team Michael Jordan ever played mm-hmm. in the finals. Because um, there's, I mean, there's other players who have just as impressive resumes. Um, maybe they didn't beat the same caliber of opponent, but they have more rings. Or like Kobe Bryant or Tim Duncan, who just both of them just recently retired. And uh, I don't think anybody's. I don't know. You would disagree with me on Kobe, but yeah, I don't think anybody's saying that they're the greatest players of all time. They're probably, they're in the top I, ten for sure. I think it's so hard to quantify what each accomplishment means because this was a great point made on, I believe, uh, by Nick Wright actually. Oh jeez. Um, but it's when you're when you're going accomplishment for accomplishment, you know, Michael Jordan's not the greatest player ever. Right. Well, then it's like you got Bill, Bill Russell, Russell or Kareem, or Kareem. But then, you know, you got what everyone says is, oh, well, they were a big man. They had the height advantage. They didn't have to dribble. They couldn't shoot like the the guards. And so it's like, OK, well, then I guess we're just throwing out accomplishments. And then it's like, well, why not LeBron be the best? Because, you know, he's arguably a better defender than Michael. He's arguably had worse teams and gone farther with them, um, although I somewhat disagree to that because, I mean, when I look at those Bulls teams, you got Michael Jordan Hall of Famer, you got Scottie Pippen Hall of Famer, and what? who else? Maybe Horace Grant? I don't I don't know if there's any From other Hall of Famers. From those Bulls teams specifically? Yeah. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman, but he wasn't on all of them. No, he's only on the last three. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is LeBron played with D. Wade and Chris Bosh. And right. D Wade and Ray I mean, Allen and Ray Allen in, in the oh, last that was one. At the end. It's not that big of a gap. Like it's not like 
LeBron didn't have great players on his team. Dwayne Wade's going to be Hall of Famer. Chris Bosh, if he didn't have blood clots in his leg, he'd still be producing and probably be, end up being in the Hall of Fame. Chris Bosh might make the Hall of Fame just as it he, is. He still might. He, he won two rings. He, I mean, he was a great player. There's a lot of players with lesser resumes in the Hall. I agree. Comparing LeBron and Michael, it gets tough. But I think what Michael Jordan does have over LeBron is a better mid-range game. Like, he had a consistent fadeaway. He had a go-to move. You could get him the ball. He could get you a bucket. LeBron, every time he goes to score, it's different. Like, he might shoot a three. He might dribble pull up. He might drive and do, like, a weird floating finish. But there's no, like, you know, Kobe had put him on in the mid post, let him do a couple dribbles and fakes, and you got a fadeaway coming. Michael, you could do that. You could have him on the wing face up and drive by you. LeBron, it's kind of... He'll dribble the ball up. He'll be a point guard. He'll be a wing. He'll be he'll do everything, which in some ways adds to his greatness because he's doing all this without a signature move. Right. And I think that can be both like a blessing and a curse Mm -hmm. because the closest thing LeBron has to a signature move is driving, driving to the bucket. Really hard. Getting getting a layup (laughs) with Kobe or uh, Michael Jordan. You're right. You could give him the ball in the high post. and He'll make something happen. Yeah. Uh, with LeBron, you give him the ball at the top of the key and he makes something happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not always for himself. Mm-hmm. And at that point... Very, very um, good point. At that point, you're kind of up to uh, the other players to make the shot, right? Kyrie Irving made that uh, three in Game 7 last year. Mm-hmm. That wasn't LeBron. LeBron made the defensive play, but he didn't make the... He only made the free throws at the end. But he didn't make the you know the shot that broke the Warriors, I guess. Yeah. You know, when you're the, be- when you're, you're the, the greatest player and you're not always leaving it up to yourself. But, I mean, every other superstar has had those moments. Michael Jordan, John Paxson, and Steve Kerr both made huge shots in the finals Yeah, for him. And uh, Derek Fisher, Ron Artest. Ron Artest uh, yeah. made those huge threes. Uh, in a game seven. Yeah. Look, when Kobe had that horrible game seven. I mean, it happens, you know. some. In order to win, you need to have role players step up. It's not a – basketball is a team sport for a reason. Even though yeah. stars do have a disproportionate effect – Mm-hmm. on the game compared to you know football or baseball i just gotta get this off my chest now i don't know why give it to me before we get to kd and steph curry and their legacy this ridicule of kevin durant for joining the warriors <laughs> has to stop for anyone who thinks it's different and than what lebron did let's get into this here now you might say well LeBron didn't join an already playoff team, already a team that could win a championship. Well, you know what? Kevin Durant didn't get on the phone with two other free agents and say, let's all go to the same place. When LeBron and Three to four years beforehand. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So when LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh teamed up, there was basically a guarantee that that was going to be a contender. It's no different than... Durant going to the Warriors with Klay Thompson because that is a guarantee as well. They're both guarantees that they're going to be contenders the next season, whether it's they all come in the same year or they team up. The Warriors grew organically until Kevin Durant came. That Miami Heat team was completely generated by LeBron, D-Wade, Bosh. Let's all go to the same team and then get all of our favorite role players to come with us. Mike Miller, follow me. James Jones. James Jones. (laughs) Still continue to follow me. Then last on a LeBron Uh, for seven years. Sorry, let me make something. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You make a good point in that 
No superstar except for Carmelo Anthony, probably in the last 25 years, has ever left a situation to go somewhere worse. Mm-hmm. Not a single one. Dwight Howard, he left for, he left, he got traded to LA. He thought that was going to be a lot better. Yeah. When he realized it wasn't, he went to Houston, which was a lot better than LA at the time. Kevin Durant left because uh, the Warriors are a better situation. LeBron left Cleveland the first time because playing with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh was by far better than continuing to languish in Cleveland next to Zajunas Legalskis, who he brought to Miami. <laughs> yeah. Michael Jordan came back from retirement to play for the Wizards, but that was a whole different thing. On a bad team, the media says, you don't want to win. You're terrible. They can't win with you all this stuff, you leave and go to a better team, they say, he took the easy way out. Or you leave and go to a worse team, and they say, he just wanted the money. He doesn't want to win. Like, no matter what you do, they're going to say something. And all Kevin Durant did, he got away from one of the best point guards in the league who was a ball hog and went to a team with a great point guard who likes to pass. It's no different than what LeBron did. He didn't even announce it on TV like LeBron. The, the fact that he went to an already good team isn't a disqualifier to say Kevin Durant did it way worse. That makes no sense because we knew by a guarantee of Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh all teaming up in the same spot, that was going to be a good team. Whether LeBron went there or not, D. Wade and Chris Bosh would have made that team a playoff team and in the East would have been a contender. Easy. 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 And then LeBron added to it. And so it's like you can't ridicule the man for that. But I mean, you can ridicule him for leaving. Like you can do that. But don't sure. don't don't sit here and tell me that what he did was way worse than what LeBron did. Do what you want to do. You don't have to be loyal to anyone. Right. Thing. And this has happened with the Warriors before, right? Remember when they played Andre Iguodala when he was on the Nuggets in the playoffs, and the Warriors beat the Nuggets, and then they signed Andre Iguodala. Yep. In the off season, because uh, you know people want to come play for the Warriors. It's hard to believe. After how just awful Mike Dunleavy, Troy Murphy, Donald Foyle. I, I got to stop now. Uh, Speedy Claxton. Uh, stop. Shout out, We Believe. <laughs> Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson come if on you're our listening, show. please come on our show. Stack five. I'll let you rap. Take Baron Davis, too. Players want to come play for the Warriors now. It's hard to believe. There's been a culture change. There has. And, you know, it starts at uh, the top with that Joe Lacob fellow who mm-hmm. uh, is totally obnoxious. But, I mean, he must know what he's doing, at least a little. It seems like the best owners are the obnoxious owners in a way because at least they care. True. It's, it's, it's better than having an owner who sits in the background, no one knows who his name is, and you're terrible every year because they don't want to pay the luxury tax. They don't care about the game. They don't care about anything. If you want to win, you got to be an adamant owner. You got to want to win just as much as the players, and you got to put the team in a position, the organization in a position to get the players to win. Right. And uh, one of the most important things as an owner is knowing what you don't know. I mean, look at, it sounds, it sounds funny, but no, no, I know what you mean. look at Miami. Pat Riley has run the show three championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, as long as you empower the right people, the Warriors have Bob Myers and Jerry West, even the Cavs, they finally figured it out. They got uh, David Griffin. Yep. Who's very good. Probably not going to let leave for Orlando or Milwaukee or whoever's courting him right now. You know, once you have the right the right structure, uh, that's that's a huge part of it. Definitely, that's what that's why teams fire GMs all the time when they don't work out. Mm-hmm. You gotta it starts at the top, and it, it's hard to it's hard to change owners. 
you know mm -hmm. like there's nothing you can really do <laughs> you're left up to the to the owner's whims as to whether he wants to sell it or keep it or i am a raiders fan once al davis lost it it was you're stuck <laughs> yeah you know and the warriors under chris cohan were stuck in the same just awfulness year after year after year because the guy didn't know what he was doing he sold it to a guy who turns out does know what he's doing he got the right people he got a great coach he hired bob myers who's a previous agent turns mm -hmm. out to be a pretty good talent evaluator thankfully you know it's it's hard to believe how much they've changed they've become one of the the standards in the league yeah when I you mean, look at them in the spurs on the west coast in the recent years, they've kind of taken the, the Lakers spot. Absolutely. You know, the Lakers were probably one of the key West Coast teams. I mean, they always have been and always will be. And, um, you know, right now they're kind of a mess still. Even getting Magic Johnson, getting Rob Palinka, getting rid of Kobe, all that stuff. They're still recovering. Yeah. And the Warriors went from where the Lakers are now to where the Lakers were and where the Warriors are now. The Warriors have taken on that spot of being a premier franchise and every other team looks to them to do things that way. So now, getting back on track, KD's legacy, how will it be impacted by this series? There's always going to be that he left OKC. You know, right now, what is Kevin Durant's legacy? He's a great scorer. He hasn't won a ring, but he's dominant. And I think anyone who knows the game of basketball knows how good Kevin Durant is. Right. They know that... You know, you give Kevin Durant a Shaquille O'Neal or you give Kevin Durant a Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, the man will win you a title too. Right. Well, and that remains to be seen. We'll find out shortly, won't we? Yes, we will. He hasn't won yet. To be fair, he's had a season loss to injury, another season loss to Russell Westbrook's injury. The Thunder decided to trade James Harden over a few million dollars. They also shipped off Serge Ibaka after, uh, after KD left. I disagree that people are going to remember him leaving. I will, maybe they'll remember him leaving, but I don't think they'll remember the kind of uh, negativity, so much of the negativity that's gone around it. Very few people, I think, remember LeBron leaving Cleveland the first time. They more just... He also he also went back, though. Right. But, I mean, Kevin Durant's never going to go back to Oklahoma. No. Why would he? Yeah, he has no real reason to. <laughs> He's got everything he wants in, uh, in Oakland. I don't know. I think he... He, he's like Andre Godala, you know, he saw a better way to play basketball. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what he wanted. He wanted that and he wanted um, a different place to live. You know, he went to Texas. He played in Oklahoma City for a long time. He was originally in Seattle. Maybe he liked it on the West Coast or something like that, even though he's from Baltimore. Yeah. You know, Kevin Durant didn't ask to be an OKC. <laughs> like, even when you think about players drafted... LeBron was drafted by Cleveland, but he grew up in Cleveland. There was that whole tie there. Right. Kevin Durant was drafted by Seattle, mm -hmm. grew up in Baltimore, went to college in Texas, and was dragged to OKC. So right. Kevin Durant, what's his loyalty to OKC? Yeah, he played there, but the organization wasn't treating him right, putting him in a place to win. They continually, you could say, self-sabotaged in the sense that they were unwilling to put out the necessary money. That was needed to create a, a true contender. They never once did they go over the luxury tax. They refused to amnesty Kendrick Perkins for years mm -hmm. because of the fact that they would then have to continue paying him. They refused to amnesty him so that they could use that money to sign James Harden. They they brought it on themselves. The way I mean, how how is Kevin Durant supposed to take that? They trade James Harden 
for they get Kevin Martin and Jeremy Lamb back and a first round pick that becomes Steven Adams. They let Kevin Martin leave. What did they after one year? What did they have to show for trading one of the now five to six best players in the league? And let's not forget, even though he's been terribly inconsistent for his whole career, Jeff Green. <laughs> let's not forget Jeff Green and all of this. How could I ever? Time and time again, Kevin Durant was at an organization who refused to pay their dues to win. When you've played on a sports team, you get close with your teammates. Anyone who's ever played on a college basketball team, who are your closest of teammates? The ones in your class, in your grade level. You came in together. You experienced everything for the first time together. Right. Personally, for me, some of my great friends that were in my class, I had some that were outside of my class too. The ones you build that initial bond with are the ones who, you know, you don't want to see them go, whether you're competing for a spot with them or not. You don't want to see them go. So, for example, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, they all came in around the same time together, grew up, grew in Seattle, and then in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And for the organization to just sort of not care about them and let them go, you know, Kevin Durant's a human being. If you ever listen to him talk, he cares actually a lot about his friends and family. It's something where, you know, you just traded away one of my good friends. How are you supposed to recover from that and think that the organization has your best interest when that player could right. have helped you win and it was your boy? Right. Exactly. You make a great point about the, the self-interest. You know, Kevin Durant is not beholden to the teams. That's yeah. what free agency is for. Mm-hmm. Right, that's why players have free agency, so they and, can decide their futures, where they want to play, mm-hmm. who they want to play for. As long as the league has a max contract, I mean, it's just about where. And when did smart business decisions become bad? A couple of years ago, <laughs> LeBron. He did the same thing. He did we the were, same we had thing. Discussion. <laughs> we yeah. circled around. But Kevin Durant, okay, going to the Bay Area, a much better market than. The middle of the Dust Bowl. Shout out to Oklahoma. I'm sorry. We Shout love out. You. I've never been there, but I would never love to visit. Been, uh, Let me preface. You well, can go alone. All right. I'll go um, myself. Go tame a bison. Just think about the business openings that come with greatness, that come with championships. LeBron got so much from Miami in terms of growing up as a person, his endorsements, creating a bigger name by actually winning championships then the pr right now he's being ridiculed for the move just like lebron was he's in the first stage once he wins a ring everyone forgets everyone forgets it's okay so he won some rings now he's great you know if you would ask someone as soon as lebron left cleveland if he wins a ring in miami was it worth it? Will he ev- yeah, was it worth it and will he ever be able to be considered one of the greatest of all time they'd be like no, because he formed a super team, and that's it took not the, the easy right way. way out. Exactly, and now but five having, years later, nobody cares. Twenty minutes ago, in this in this podcast, we were talking about is LeBron the greatest ever? A championship becomes a championship. A win is a win, no matter what level you do it at. It's hard to do. Nobody, and no, it's, you're right. You're 100 percent right. Nobody's gonna remember the fact that the Pistons in 1980, 1989 beat the Lakers without Magic Johnson. Nobody's yeah. gonna remember the 2008 Celtics beat the Lakers without Andrew Bynum. Mm-hmm. nobody ever nobody cares it's about who wins winning a championship in the nba if it was so easy everybody would do it uh, that's why that's why it bothers me so much about these 
we, we talked about the injuries yeah. earlier. Why people say, oh, they only won because Kyrie and uh, Kevin Love were hurt. Oh, they only won because Andrew Bogut and Andre Iguodala and Steph Curry were hurt. There's another team on the floor. You know, they don't just give it to you. They don't just give you the championship. Yeah. You have to earn it. You still beat someone. Yeah. Who's like, in the NBA, one of the best players in the world. The framework of a team that made the finals. Yeah. Like, if it was so, e- if it was so easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> That's and, all I got to say. Getting on to the last legacy here that's going to be highly impacted. Stephen Curry. When I think about Steph Curry, I still think as much publicity as he got last year for having like one of the historically greatest seasons of all time, I think this year he's gone under the radar. I think partly due to his terrible shoes, which I still <laughs> I still actually want a pair. Um, Steph Curry ones are a good shoe. They look Steph, cool. Steph Curry won Lux, right? In black. In black leather. Don't bother with anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. When you think about Steph, you think about one of the greatest point guards of all time. And a lot of people say, he's not a point guard. He's a shooter. He's this. He's that. That's ridiculous. He gets other players involved. He's more of a point guard than Kyrie. He's more of a point guard than uh, James Harden, who's people are saying now is a new point guard. Like, I just don't understand these arguments. What I'm getting at is Steph Curry's legacy. Steph Curry's, if he can continue to do this over a few more years to continue the longevity, because in the short term, he's had one of the greatest runs of a point guard ever. Absolutely. Last year was perhaps the best uh, season a point guard has ever had. Ever. In any, anyway, better than any of Magic Johnson's MVP seasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't win 73 games on accident. And be the best player on that team. Absolutely. It and makes 400 threes. He beat his old record for threes by like 120. And that record beat the last closest by like 20. 50 plus. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people just don't realize how great Steph Curry is. And I mean, if you're if you're lining up point guards of all time, like just line them up. You right. got Magic, Magic, John Stockton, Stockton, Steve Nash, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, uh, Isaiah. The, the original Isaiah. Some people might even say AI right. or uh, who Bob Cousy, all them. You Chris had Paul. to pick one of them I would to pick help Stephen you. Curry. <laughs> I would too. I mean, I'm not trying to be uh, fall to a recency bias here. Statistically, Magic Johnson could not shoot like Steph. Not even close. Not Steph even Curry close. is the, in my opinion, you know, I've been watching basketball. So have you our entire lives. And Steph Curry is, in my opinion, the most fun player to watch I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Just based on, you know, his wizardry with the ball, the the way he's able to punish opposing defenders, the way he he just needs a split second of of daylight to shoot mm-hmm. and to make it at a very high percentage. He he's what like a forty five percent career three point shooter. It's on the absolutely bonkers shots he takes, and he takes every single end of quarter heave. Also, mm-hmm. <laughs> those can drag down and, when you shoot 80 of And them he makes a good percentage the year. of them. He does. He, last year, he made a lot more. I but. mean, let's if Steph Curry quit today, he would go down. Everyone would still say he's the best shooter of all time. Statistics show it. He's the best shooter ever. He broke that. He, he ended that argument like three years ago. And he opinion. won a ring already. Yes. He might win another. If he wins another, he'll match Isaiah Thomas. Right, he already has more than John Stockton, Jason Kidd, and Steve Nash all combined. Well, Jason Kidd has one actually. My bad. 
but he has more than he has as many as those three guys combined. And not you know, Jason Kidd has one, but you know that wasn't like he wasn't in his prime. It, it wasn't when he yeah when he was on New Jersey and he was a huge part that brought them there in his right. prime. Well, Dirk where, Dirk did that. Dirk Dirk, hey, that's a whole nother topic. Dirk is one of the greatest players of all time. One of the most notable championships with a single superstar on the team but right but that's neither here nor there that's that's a a different podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um steph curry is a lot of people rag on him for last year's finals i thought he was okay uh the last couple games he was not good but the year before in 2015 i thought he was excellent the only bad game he had was the one that everyone likes to meme uh, against delhi otherwise he Mm -hmm. you know shredded delhi every other game he should have won finals MVP. The only reason he didn't is because Andre Godala, turns out, was able to play a little bit of defense. He shut down LeBron. He only averaged like 30, 10, and 10. 37, 10, and 10. Yeah. Everyone talks about how Steph Curry doesn't show up in the clutch. That's madness. I've watched. If you watch any of the games. So many games. He does about, nothing but hit big shots. How about the first game he came back from his knee injury against Portland? Scored like 17 points in five minutes in the overtime. Single-handedly won that game, ended that series on his own. How about all the the game against OKC in the regular season when he made 12 threes and hit the one of the greatest shots I've ever seen in my life, the three, to win that game? How about any of the other various shots he's made against the Mavs, the Magic, him scoring or making 13 threes? He's incredible. I can't pick another point guard over him. Other than you could make the argument for Magic Johnson, I think. Mm-hmm. But I mean, then then you're getting a whole different type of player. Like, I guess it depends what your team right, needs. Right. But I mean, then you, you'd be better off comparing uh, Magic and LeBron or something like that. I mean, it's tough to compare those because, you know, they're, they're different players in a sense. Magic was more into facilitating. Steph can still facilitate but also can score. I think it's it's just it's just tough to compare them, but I I would have to take Steph. Right. And people love to talk about Steph Curry's defense like it's like he's some sieve. But he uh against players his own size, I think he's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And he he always he's always putting in the effort. You know, mm-hmm. the I mean, we we're talking about point guards. The only other point guard you could match up with him is Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson despite being 6 foot 9 was not a very good defender. When you look at point guards today, they're so dynamic and such. They handle the ball so much more than ever. They are asked to do so much more and, and create shots, take shots themselves. You have point guards now that are bo- like bona fide scorers. What point guard isn't getting 25 dropped on him a night? Westbrook and Harden go at it. They're each dropping 30 plus on each other. Right. You know? When you compare matchups, Kyrie and Damian Lillard play against each other. They're both dropping on each other. And there aren't many point guards that are elite defenders anyway. Chris Paul is seen as good. He just gets a lot of steals. He's good. He's good. But I think Chris Paul's defense is overrated. I agree. I think there's lots of players that get steals but aren't good defenders. Kawhi Leonard is one of the only good defenders that actually does get a lot of steals. Draymond Green gets a decent amount. Draymond too. does too. But he's picking off big that, guys. That's a, that's a total misleading stat, steals is. That's probably a topic to be continued another time. I guess we got to wrap up now. If I had to pick, I'm picking the Warriors in five. That is an interesting prediction because (laughs) that's mine also. But uh, my heart uh, is hoping for Warriors in four because I want to see them 
go undefeated. If they do go undefeated, they will be unquestionably the greatest team of all time, having beaten LeBron James in the finals to do so, to, to sweep. Even the even the Lakers didn't have to do that. And it's it's you know it's debatable. It's highly likely that if a suspension didn't happen, a center got injured, and all that stuff. I don't want to talk about all that. That last year they would have won one anyway, and this would be a three peat. But hey, that's that's, a waste of time. That's it's only destroying. Quit making excuses. It's destroying my heart. But thank you guys for listening. Please check out our our web page. Check out some of our articles. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Bonafide Basketball. Search it on the internet. You'll find it everywhere. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.